Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this, our Halloween episode. Since Saturday is October 31st and Halloween, we're celebrating a little bit early with my film pick of the week, The Monster Club, directed by Roy Ward Baker and from 1981, starring Vincent Price, Donald Pleasance, and John Carradine. As always, that's going to be later on in the show. Uh, the Ghoul of Geek Keith is not going to be joining us tonight uh, due to some things on the home front. Hopefully he'll be back with us next week because it is his pick. So we're going to sell it forth uh, without him for now. But we are joined by the psychotic simian, the Mad Monkey, the Prince of Amor's Day. Yes, get funky with the monkey. Yes, this is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic for a very special Halloween episode. Yes, where we are broadcasting forth over the airwaves to you. Yes, you! <laughs> this is the very best goddamn horror podcast there is in all of the land. So just make sure you listen. Listen with your mama. Listen with your coworkers. We don't care. Just make sure you listen and listen often because this is what we do for you. Yes! What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing just fine, Monkey. Keeping it spooky, keeping it creepy for the Halloween coming up this Saturday. So oh, we're glad. Yep, yep. We don't, yeah. Yep. We do, keeping we do. it go- We don't have any musical yet. Keep it, so. Sorry. <laughs> keeping it gore, keeping it hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got to on this show. Unfortunately, like I said, we don't have any musical acts. We couldn't get Knights or the Pretty Things or the Viewers. So, unfortunately, they're not going to be here. Or UB40. We're going to sell it with <laughs> Yeah, UB40, they said they would come, but for a high price tag. I wasn't going to be willing to pay UB40 for that much. I mean, I think Red Red Wine's all I know of them, so I'm good. I'd rather have Morrissey show up, because I know he would. Morrissey probably works. <laughs> yes. He would. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, just more. I just him walking in. <laughs> Jerome with the mirror. <laughs> What's up, fella? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to talk all night, or can I be introduced? Yeah, no, you're going to be introduced. I was getting to you. Don't worry. And yes, we are joined by the demonic dean. Very astute, very educated, very opinionated. Demonic dean. Yes. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, three-headed monster we love this you. evening. As we know, our <laughs> very own ghoul of geek uh, will not be joining us, but the three of us will will press on and deliver a program that I hope will meet his exacting specifications. I'm sure. Yeah, so, it's what we uh, do. So... <laughs> uh, Monkey, unless you have something you wanted to talk about, we can kick it right off with the Dean and Horror News. Real quick, I just wanted to bring up that on the Talking Terror page, you brought up a really cool little article about the new Mezco Leatherface figure. Where <laughs> limited edition figure only costs $100, but you have three get-ups that you can get for the thing. <laughs> Um, while it's a bit pricey for an action figure, I'm just excited that Mezco's actually getting back into things just because, you know, when, 
you know, about early 2000s, you know, Mezco was really heavy into it when it was them, Todd Toys, you know, that were the main manufacturers, actually, of horror figures. And then they kind of just faded out of the, the scenery for a while. And I'm, it's just cool to see them trying to get back in and put some new stuff out there. Yeah, it's a really cool-looking sculpt, you know, with the three heads and uh, the accessories that it comes with. Very cool. Um, it is worth that $100 price tag, you know, seeing all the screenshots. But I don't know if I would dip in for that because I already have four Leatherface figures as it is. So I think I'm, I'm good without having that one that's $100. But it's interesting because 2021 is going to mark the return of our friend Leatherface to the theatrical world with this new reboot. Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> no, not really, because I think it's just another raping of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But they did release a motion poster last week for the reboot calling Welcome Back to Face of Madness. Please just, God, make it better than the 2017 movie. I don't care what you do. Just have yeah. Weatherface fucking kill a bunch of people, but do not yeah. just make the repeat of Texas Chainsaw. I just want to Weather say, uh, for the 2017 entry, uh, King... And I would have yeah. to, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's research I would have to do that I have not the desire in any way to do it. But I'm pretty certain that right here <laughs> on this very program, uh, you expressed such excitement for that 2017 uh, feature of, of, ahead of its yeah. release. Oh, yeah. Dude, I was excited. When that fucking trailer came out and you see the, the chainsaw up against the guy's face and it was supposed to be the origin story, I was all fucking in. And then I went and I went to see it when it was on Sci-Fi, and man, what a fucking mess that movie was! What a mess! I'm pretty Agents sure. I have no idea what this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I went because we learned, I think, in the trailer. I think maybe you asked us to watch the trailer for for that particular yep. episode. But I'm pretty sure I recall uh, going on a rant uh, when we we learned that Leatherface's first name was Jedediah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I just I remember thinking like what like what so what's such like lazy stereotypical thinking <laughs> uh, to give a that type of first name to that type of character. But anyway, yeah, he, uh, am I he correct? Never have him. Am I? Yeah. Am I correct in that? Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's coming next year is following. Uh, the Halloween 2018 path, where uh, this is a direct sequel to the original film. Am I correct in my thinking? Yeah, it's going to be the second time that they do that, because they did that with Texas Chainsaw. That came out back the in Texas 2009. The Texas Chainsaw 3D, they uh, they, yep. that, that was like the same thing, because that was just on, yep. uh, that was just on TV the other night, uh, on like the FX Network or one of those, and... Uh, while I did not watch it, I did like open up the description and it said, you know, sequel to the, and I was like, oh, wait a second. Isn't that what they're doing next year? So I hadn't realized that it had, that had been done before. It has. Yeah. But this is supposed to be the definitive one. I doubt it. But I mean, cause you were the one that brought it up, I think, about two weeks ago, Dean, about how uh, Andy and Toby Toehill were fucking kicked off the movie set because of what they had done. So they brought in uh, Jorge uh, Blue Garcia to finish it up. So I was like, ah, oh, it's doomed. This fucking movie's doomed. Like, you know, when you have two directors that are booted by the studio off the set because of what they've done, and then they invite something else. Ugh, rough. I don't know. <laughs> and just poor Leatherface. He just gets mm. raped so much mm. in these fucking movies. Mm. Yeah, and you said the thing about the the motion poster. Did you put up a link on the Facebook pi- on the Talking Terror Facebook page about mm. the contest that you told me about? Uh, not a contest, but uh, if you go to TexasChainsaw.com, 
and you enter in your email address, it would uh, send you an email back that they're going to be sending you a free motion poster for Leatherface coming out next year in 2021, and also a code for Call of Duty, The Haunting of LeBrantz, I think it was called, the, the special Halloween version that the Dean talked about with uh, Jigsaw from Saw and Leatherface. They're supposed to yeah, be a, a uh, code that you can use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be a special code that you could use in the game, and then you get the pre-motion poster. I don't game. I don't play video games, so I just uh, signed up for the poster, so we'll see what happens. I got an email back saying that they're going to send it. So I don't know where because I didn't give my address. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> they didn't okay. even ask my address. They're just like, Listen. yeah, they just said, oh, cool, thanks. We're sending it, and you'll get an update for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was like, cool, but I didn't give you my address. So I, I don't know if there's a <laughs> yeah, Or is it just a scam to try and get people interested in in the movie? <laughs> You probably nailed it right there. <laughs> sure, we're totally sending you a poster. <laughs> uh, you need my speech. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally fooled you. Like, oh, God, it sucks. But I did it anyway, so you can do it too, you know, especially if you're a gamer and you like Call of Duty and you want to get that code. You know, go to PixelShameSong.com. But, yes, uh, Dean. That's where you go. Uh, what were you saying? I said that's where you go. That is where you go. Where do we go with harness? We go to so many different places all over the map uh, as we cover so many different things and so many different categories. Uh, but since every once in a while in this segment of our program, we step outside of our genre just for the briefest of moments. I'm going to, to get that out of the way first because I have been continuing to bring the news of this property uh, as it comes out. But we talk so much about the... Cobra Kai, the now Netflix Cobra Kai uh, series, yeah. uh, where the season three is upcoming, uh, there is now uh, available on PS4, Switch, and Xbox a Cobra Kai video game. Uh, the Karate Kid Store Saga continues. Uh, it's billed <laughs> as a Streets of Rage style beat 'em up game. Uh, okay. And there is going to be uh, many of the locations featured in the series, such as LaRusso Motors, uh, the halls of the high school, uh, the Miyagi Dojo, uh, and so on and so forth. So if you are a gamer and a fan of the Cobra Kai, uh, you can go to where you get your games from. I'm assuming this is some kind of download game. Uh, and check out the Cobra Kai uh, Karate Kid Saga Continues video game available this very moment. Very cool. All gamers out there. Old school side. I mean, you guys play. You guys play games. Do you guys know what, yes, uh, what, what Streets of Streets of Rage? What that is? Oh, I loved it back. In Hell the yeah! Streets of Rage. <laughs> right there with Double Dragons too. Okay. So what? So it yep. just it said uh, Streets of Rage style beat 'em up. So like, give me like a like a ten second synopsis of what that means, please. Monkey go. Side scrolling. Better than I. Am. Side scrolling. Be- I'm trying, but I'm talking. Side scrolling. Beat the shit out of everything on the screen. There you go. All right. <laughs> perfect. That makes I I totally understand what you're talking about, and I say that in all seriousness. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, and now I understand what Karate Kid uh, Cobra Kai video game will be like. So. Uh, moving on, uh, we have talked so much <laughs> about the Quick Bites uh, service, Quibi, and how it is going to be uh, no more. And uh, the the final day 
<laughs> is December 1st. Uh, wow, that was quick. Saying that, uh, yeah, that's. I think I had posted this to um, to our group when they announced it because we were just talking about the demise last week. Uh, but that's a yeah. quick, quick, quick uh, shutdown. So there's just over a month left of that. Um, I, I have not gone onto the app to look because after my trial, I deleted it. And I had said last week that I had re-downloaded it and was going to maybe, at that point in time, they still had a 14-day preview. Um, I, would, I would say, if you have a few minutes before it's gone, because we don't yet know what's going to happen to any of their properties. Right. Like if, you, like, if they still are offering a trial when you download the app to, like, check out just some of 50 States of Fright, um, like, like I said, I, I fully endorse it. So, um, you know, it's just like fun, you know, fun little segments, uh, and some cool little stories. And, and I thought it was pretty cool. So, uh, I hope that that is one of the properties that gets picked up by another, uh, some type of other so- source, whether it's, you know, Netflix or prime or something like that. But, um, you know, uh, Quibi will be no more. That's like a $2 billion failure. Um, yeah, they're shutting it down now and they had raised, they had raised so much money that they are, uh, they are, you know, maybe not a hundred percent, but they are going to be able to make uh, a sizable amount of their investors pretty close to whole. Uh, so, so that's pretty cool. Um, so the 50 States of Fright, how, how long are those episodes? So you say they're like 10 minutes each or something? All right. So the, yeah, the first, so if I remember correctly, the first season uh, had four stories and like each story is like based in a different state. Uh, so like the state of Florida uh, maybe had three or four episodes and each of those episodes in the telling that story was like, like eight to 11 minutes long, somewhere in that window. So like, you know, and they end at like the perfect spot, you know, so like it ends uh, at a logical place in the story. And then you can continue on to the next one if you can do it all right then. Or, you know, like their their concept was if you're like taking a shit at work and you can get in like a 10 minute episode on the toilet and then get in a 10 episode, you know, 10 minute episode like later on. Like that was kind of what what they were thinking. So but that's how 50 states of frights work. So each state is its own story. Mm-hmm. And that story is divided into short segments. Oh, well, then if it gets picked up by another place, then they can just still do the states, but they can just make the episodes longer. Yeah, they can just, and it they can just, just be, combine you know, them into, just one into solid one episode. episode. It would be like one like 25-minute episode. So, um, right. you know, they were similar, uh, like in length, like all told, like they were similar, similar in length to like uh, like a half like of the recent Creepshow uh, series where there were like two 30-minute stories. You know, it was like one yeah. segment of Creepshow. And, like, I would, you know, oh. I would argue that these stories were, were just as entertaining. You know, like, I really, really was, was impressed. Yeah, I could definitely see that going um, over to an, a, a new form, new platform. Yeah, Sorry. so I'm pretty sure that, like, that everything is for sale. I'm pretty sure that, like, the whole thing as a whole is for sale. And I'm pretty sure they'll sell it off in pieces, too. So uh, I do have hope that... Uh, that will make its way somewhere else. And from what I understand, they have a few other things, not that they had viewership, uh, but stuff that has a lot of like big name, like the, the fact that there was not viewership doesn't speak to the quality of their programming. It was just that nobody went to watch any of it. Um, so they have a lot, they put, they put a lot of money into production and to talent. And uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that might be appealing, uh, you know, as the content wars continue between all of the streaming services, there might be stuff, uh, that is of interest. So, 
you know, I'll continue to, to talk about it as the story unfolds. Uh, but that's what's going on over there. And cool. then uh, moving on, uh, as everything continues to keep getting pushed back and pushed back, it was announced that uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife has been pushed back another three months uh, with its release date now being pushed uh, to June. Uh, so the tentative release date now is June 11th. Um, and, you know, I feel like that's one that they'll just keep uh, keep pushing until until it's safe. But the way things are going now, like, who knows when that's going to be. Yeah, that, that Maverick. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's a good time to do it, though, June. I mean, that's a summer blockbuster, I would think so, Ghostbusters. So, But, yeah, like you said, I mean, who knows where we're going to be next summer, you know? I mean, this stuff definitely is going to be going away. Oh, I don't even know yeah. if are going to be nope. around, like we said last week. <clears throat> you know where it's going? It's going nowhere. Oh, sorry. <laughs> VOD is where it should go. I keep saying Come it, VOD is where it should go. Speaking of VOD, yeah. today, today <laughs> on VOD with a rating of PG-13 is the Blumhouse uh, Craft, the Craft Legacy uh, hit VOD today. Um, oh, really? It did? Wow, okay. Yes, yes, really. Uh, today is the day, uh, October 28th. Uh, if you were looking forward to Craft Legacy, uh, it, you can find it wherever you get your VOD from, or your VD from. And uh, you know, in the case of the ghoul, where he gets his, where he gets his VD from. But, um, but yeah, so uh, there's been a lot of talk about the craft and, uh, you know, whether it's going to hold the candle to the original and so on and so forth and everything. But it is available now, so people can check it out and make up their minds. Uh, and also in the world of Blumhouse... Uh, tomorrow, starting tomorrow morning, <clears throat> on their YouTube channel and their Facebook page, is going to be the first annual Blumfest. Uh, you know, as part of the Halloween season, they're going to be having uh, virtual panels. Uh, they're going to be having some sneak previews. Uh, they're going to be having, uh, you know, some discussions about their properties. They're going to be talking about the craft. Uh, they're going to be talking about Freaky. Uh, they're going to be talking about good good lord bird and they're going to be talking about halloween kills um so they're going to have special guests and presenters and discussions and all of this stuff uh you know which sounds pretty cool except that it, it's all uh you know part of my work day so i will not be able to see any of this uh but if you are available and you are interested in everything blum uh then Blumfest might be uh the thing for you to check out uh as part of your Halloween season celebration. Um, you know, I've said numerous times how much I'm looking forward to Halloween kills. So I'm sure that any information uh, that they give, which I'm sure won't be anything too groundbreaking, uh, we'll know about it shortly after. So and then we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. Like Bro, 2020. Woo! <laughs> Party! But no, I would like a trailer. You know, even more of a teaser than the one that we got. I mean, I'd, I'd like that. Hopefully that they, they consider doing that because I think that'd be pretty killer because we do have a long wait until fucking Halloween kills. October of 2020. We do. So. And I must say, in... Yeah, in the in the world of Halloween, and I know I had talked about uh, how I had gotten it several weeks ago, but I, yesterday, or actually not yesterday, two days ago, I hmm. finally started digging in uh, to the shape book. And um, yeah, 
I, I am, yeah, I am just, I'm in the, the final, uh, close to the final parts, uh, the interviews um, section uh, around part six. I've been plowing my way through it. And while, while uh, there's not uh, much in the way of stuff that I did not know, uh, there was a lot of stuff involving like the behind the scenes uh, shuffling and wheeling and dealing that I was not aware of. And then one fact uh, that I learned that truly I had no idea about this. I really didn't. And I was really, I think it's, I think it's like an awesome little piece of trivia. And I'm going to imagine that uh, our King of Horror and maybe even our monkey is aware of this, but when they recobbled together uh, the performers to fill, to film some of the, those additional scenes to fill the TV time for the original Halloween uh, mm-hmm. Some of the interior shots that they did for one of those scenes, uh, which might not have even made it into the TV cut, uh, was filmed in the interior location of the same house from the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So a piece of the original Halloween right. and a piece of the original Nightmare on Elm Street were filmed <laughs> inside the same house, which is fucking amazing. I had no clue. I had never heard yeah. that before. That is cool. Yeah, that book is looking for those facts. Yeah, yep. That but that's also like when Robert England said he worked on the original Halloween set. So there's some ties to Nightmare, I guess, in a way. But yeah, it's a great book. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of your review when you get to the Halloween uh, 2018 because there's some cool stuff in there too. Um, yeah. So the second book, um, you know, too. the. I I have known about all like the different cuts uh, of Halloween six of which I know that I have not Mm -hmm. seen uh, both of the cuts. And um, I was not aware of how much like shenanigans and business bullshit uh, and and arguing and fighting were going on. Like I knew there was, I knew, I knew it was happening, uh, but not to the uh, degree uh, and depth that they cover, cover in the book here. So um, that's been pretty cool. And it was also pretty cool to read the interviews uh, from the writers who worked on the novelizations. Like, it, it's good stuff. And uh, I know I had talked about recently the, the sequel that had come out um, that, I'm, that, I'll, that I'll be ordering in the near future. Uh, yeah. But I'm really digging this book. So I'll, 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 I'll check back in about that when I finish it, which would be like another couple of days. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, that's, what, part two. that's what's yeah. going on there. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's some, been some fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Being that it's the Halloween season, and every week I talk about all of the different uh, networks and streaming services that have been announcing their Halloween specials, the Stars mm-hmm. Network has announced their, uh, their Halloween showdown uh, from October 28th today to through the end of Halloween. Uh, they have announced their, ho- their Halloween lineup. Uh, they're doing uh, King features, so they're going to be showing all of the Stephen King adaptations, uh, as well as all kinds of other legacy classics of horror that all the other channels are showing. But uh, they're focusing in on Stephen King for the holiday season. So if you love the Stephen King movies, uh, you know, Star's the place to go for the next few days. And in the world well, of Stephen King, something else. Oh, go ahead, monkey. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, speaking of um, Hall- Halloween broadcasting, um, don't forget that Shudder is also d- doing a thing that the King put on the Talking Terror page where for October 31st, Shudderfest, <laughs> uh, it-, it will be yeah. free all day long. Yeah. 
for, uh, for Do you think that I would not have that item in my news? Did you think that I would really not talk about did. that monkey? Huh? <laughs> uh, monkey? <laughs> well, well, since you were talking about broadcasting and Halloween lineups, I thought that you were going to sit there and jumble them all up together as one big group. Well, sorry. Monkey's just <laughs> jumping in tonight. He's all in. He's the host ah. tonight, so he's jumping all in everything. Man. <laughs> sorry, Dean. So. As you were, I'm just, just going to go back to the corner. <laughs> yeah, get back in your cage. <laughs> so, uh, in the, in the, in the, similarly, in getting back to the world of Stephen King, uh, which you totally like broke into my segue there. Um, <laughs> Stephen King, as we know, has directed just one film, uh, the beloved '80s classic uh, Maximum Overdrive, that came from the short story Trucks. Uh, <laughs> what a unique little film Maximum Overdrive is, <laughs> but. Uh, Stephen, King's, Stephen King's son, uh, who goes by the, the professional name Joe Hill, who has a you know, little successful little writing uh, career in his own right, uh, he has no interest yeah. in, in movies and directing a movie, but he has announced that he would like to follow in his father's footsteps and direct a remake of Maximum Overdrive. He's going to have to get a lot of cocaine. amount of cocaine and his dad. Now, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. He's going to have to that really do some rails. That doesn't mean that this is something that's actually going to ever happen, but he said that right. if he were to yeah. dabble into the world of movies, that's what he would like to do. And that's a strange one to think about because, like, you know, <laughs> when Maximum yeah. Overdrive came out, uh, you know, it's just – it's like of its time and place, it's like this strange, weird movie. And yeah. I just I, it's just such a product of its era. And, and <laughs> it's got, like, the, 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 the ass-kicking ACDC soundtrack. And Fuck it's yeah, just dude. it's just like so much absurdity. Uh, so it would be interesting, I suppose, to see someone try to present uh, maximum overdrive to to the modern world. But you know, maybe some uh, things are better if, left uh, in where they where they come from. If they do it, they got to keep the truck. That's all I'm saying. They just got to keep the truck, <laughs> <laughs> the Green Goblin truck. Bring back a million. Yeah, hey, honey, the ATM called me an asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bring it back. Yeah, bring the whole whole cast back. They're still around. <laughs> bring back Emilio Estevez. <laughs> I love Emilio Estevez. Estevez. The same cast. So many Emilio Estevez movies. Uh, there's so many Emilio Estevez movies that I love so much. I'm a big fan, and I know he has he's spent the majority actor. of his Under career. Uh, you know, yeah, he's and he spent the majority of his career uh, the last 20 years or so behind this behind the scenes and behind the camera. Yeah, we watched him uh, behind the camera. Yeah, he did. yeah, he's been he's been directing movies. In fact, uh, the majority of his work uh, has not uh, been of like the mainstream variety. Uh, like his most notable project that was that I think might have even had some Academy Award nominations. Uh, he did a um, he did like a biopic uh, called Bobby about Bobby Kennedy, probably like around eight to 10 years ago, uh, about Robert F. Kennedy. And, um, you know, he directed that. And I think that had some like buzz and acclaim and some award season chatter around it. But even then it wasn't like a big, like success. It was like critically acclaimed, but not a commercial success. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. uh, fan of Emilio, you know, I did recently read that the Disney plus, uh, mighty ducks series, uh, is back in production, uh, to hopefully be on the air sometime next year. Uh, that was just something that, I, that popped into my head. That was not part of my news this evening, but since we were talking about Emilio, um, I figured I'd throw that in there. So 
If you like seeing him in front of the camera, uh, your opportunity is coming soon. Uh, Speaking of coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of coming soon, uh, apparently there is going to be a sequel uh, to, in my opinion, the very uh, big letdown, uh, The Meg. Uh, There's going to be a sequel uh, to The Meg. Uh, directed mm-hmm. by Ben Wheatley, uh, Jason Statham uh, will be returning, but will also be involved in the creative side as well. Um, uh, I thought the Meg <laughs> was—I thought the—I thought the Meg was was a disappointment. Um, yeah, it was a when time. I saw it. I didn't like it when I saw it. Yeah. I, I just I, the Meg was fun. It just—it was—it just wasn't yeah. bloody enough. That's all. It was fun. It just—it—it it, well, needed just to push that. P, it had to push that PG thirteen rating. I, it's just my philosophy that if you're going to tackle, uh, you know, that type of concept, then you just got to mm-hmm. go for it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you got to go for it. I would have loved it if it was R. Like, if they had gone that route, man, I, like, or hell, man, I would have been happy if they even just killed that fucking dog. But no, they even had to let the dog <laughs> right. live in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Even I was hoping for that one. I was like, come on. It's right there. Like, no, you know, I'm surprised they didn't release an R cut of that movie. I thought they did, but I guess they did. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I think I had talked about, and I and and it might have been something else that I'm thinking of, but I'm pretty sure that I read that maybe they didn't like film hmm. like a more gory, splattery version, like for like a director's cut or anything. I feel like I remember that. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I could be did. thinking of something else, but I feel like I talked about that uh, when when it was yeah. like back when it was like actually uh, Meg time. Yeah, I think they did. Should disappoint again, yeah. disappointment. But Meg two for all the Meg fans out there, there's a sequel coming. If they can make three deep blue yeah. seas, they can make another Meg. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, they, uh, they had an R-rated cut. They just never ever released it. Like it's it's there. It's just yeah, they never released it. Hmm. Interesting. All right. What's next, Dean? Sorry, as as you were, Dean. <laughs> yes. Back to the cage. We uh, <laughs> last week last week uh, <laughs> talked about this uh, star-studded uh, table read spectacular uh, Halloween streaming special involving Hocus Pocus, uh, which I believe mm-hmm. was a pick of the Mad Monkeys once upon a time, and. Yeah, on the heels Last of that Halloween. event, uh, and and this has been, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about the possibilities of this on the show, because uh, there had been word going around, but uh, Bette Midler herself has confirmed uh, that the OG cast uh, has signed on uh, for a Hocus Pocus sequel. Uh, so uh, the 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 Witch Sisters, the Sanderson Sisters, will be returning. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, uh, for a sequel to Hocus Pocus, um, you know, no word yet right. on when production will begin or when it will see the light of day. Mm-hmm. But there will be more Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. a much beloved film, mm-hmm. and I'm sure their fan base is mm-hmm. very, very excited. And from my understanding, I'm pretty sure it's one that kind of has become like a like a family tradition amongst families. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm excited for them. Yeah, and they left an open ending there so that, you know, with the book so that you can continue the story on. I just hope they keep it like, don't, you know, don't take this wording the wrong way, but 
like as edgy for a Disney film as the first one was, you know, because for a Disney movie, it was pretty edgy of them, you know, and we mm-hmm. talked about it when we covered the episode. And it's just, I'm hoping they keep that instead of making it super watered down and super, super family friendly. They're all dead. Didn't they die at the end of that one? They pretty much wrapped it up. They, 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 did, they died, but, but yes. But, okay, they, they all got blown up or some shit like that, but don't forget at the end of the movie, the book opened its eye again, so the eye is so the book is still around and the, it's, you know, can possibly do some shit and possibly bring the Sanders hmm. sisters back. Yeah, so if anybody even wants to. I mean, but then again, who knows? It might just be a group of goths that just go to that place and like, yeah, cool, man. Which is, <laughs> I, 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 that's when you have the chicks from the crowd hook in there. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be. Like, it would have that. That's Hocus Pocus too. It would have to be a bunch of like just jaded goth kids smoking cigarettes and wanting to resurrect these fucking sisters for no apparent reason. And then they're all fucking colorful and singing songs and are like, dude, this isn't what we wanted. We wanted to see you fucking <laughs> rip people's heads off and, and kill people. Like you just sing and you fucking act like assholes. <laughs> Get back in your fucking book. <laughs> yeah, really. It's like a fifteen minute long movie. All right, guys, get back in the book. This is what we wanted. Okay. As you were D. <laughs> That's my word. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Right? Uh with itself. Other other properties coming back in different ways. It's been announced that uh, Ginger Snaps is going to become a TV series from the producers of the Killing Eve show. Uh, so it looks like Sid Gentle Films and Cooper Hart Entertainment are teaming up. Uh, John Barrett, I think I can I can never read my chicken scratch, uh, is going to be the executive <laughs> producer. Uh, and scripts are currently being written. Uh, there was no talk about uh, where uh, this is going to. Uh, where this property is going to end up um, might be one of those situations where they're putting it together and they're going to be pitching it to different uh, services. Uh, but this sounds like one that you would see heading to like Netflix prime or Hulu. Um, I don't envision that's kind of how I think of it when I was reading the story. I don't necessarily envision it as like a network show or something like that. Uh, but anyway, Ginger snaps is a fantastic werewolf movie. I love it. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I had stumbled. I had never even heard of it. Uh, and then long ago, uh, stumbled upon it late one night and watched it and was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Um, so I've always been a fan of Ginger Snaps. I believe that we covered it on the show as, as my pick, I think, once. Um, yes, we did, yeah. I think it was my mm-hmm. pick. I think it was my pick. Um, but uh, Ginger Snaps uh, is going to howl at the moon once again. And that's John uh, Fawcett, uh, the director of the, the Ginger Snaps original. He's going to be producing like you would said, John Fawcett. Yeah. I mean, that fucking movie just shreds you know, with, with female werewolves and that fucking just dreadful ending that that movie had, like, just kills. Like, anybody out there, if you have not seen Ginger Snaps yet, make it a pick for this Halloween. You know, find yeah, a copy seriously. of it and watch it, because it, it's such Do a it. great movie that's underrated. I, the you know, the King the is telling you the truth right now. Yeah, I just, I, I posted it on the talking therapy. It's one of my favorite werewolf movies of all time, other than American Werewolf in London. Just because of how different they are and how wonderful it is. But yeah, definitely check it out this Halloween. Yeah. Series on the way. So, all right, what's next, Dean? Back in 1985, uh, there was a beloved film that was released uh, called Fright Night. And... Mm, yeah. 
to to this has become a common thing over the past uh, few months. But uh, the original cast tomorrow, I'm sorry, I, let me let me rephrase that. On Friday the 30th, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, the original cast of 1985's uh, Fright Night, uh, including uh, Rosario Dawson and other special guests, is getting together uh, to do a table read. Uh, a fright night plus uh, they will be doing a Q and a uh, with the fans. So if you are such a fan of fright night that you must see the original cast do a table read, uh, your dreams have come true. We're on the 30th. <laughs> your dreams will come true. And uh, you will get to spend some time with the cast. Uh, you will spend some time with the cast. Uh, you will hear them read from the script and you will get an opportunity to speak to them and ask them questions uh, that maybe have been festering in your minds for such a very long time. I'm actually down for that. I can't wait. Friday the 30th at 8 p.m. on time, Eastern time. Looking forward to it. That's one of the first vampire movies I ever saw. So I fell in love with it at a very young age. My mother's favorite movie, too, because of Chris Sarandon. She had a huge crush on that uh, when I was a kid. So she loved Fright Night. I shouldn't have been watching it at a young age, but fuck yeah, it was. <laughs> fuck yeah, he was. <laughs> Peter Vincent. Uh, also, mm-hmm. uh, in also in the world of table reads, which you know apparently is the thing right now. Yeah. Uh, the the company uh, tonight, one hour from now, uh, the company Scripts Gone Wild, uh, 10:30 Eastern Time uh, on YouTube, uh, is going to be doing a table reading. Uh, of Halloween 3, The Season of the Witch. Uh, but not with OG cast. Uh, this is going to be Aww. led by this is going to be led by Danielle Harris. Uh, it's also going to have participation from Tiffany Shepsis, uh, Ted Raimi, amongst others. Uh, and they also uh, have put out rules for their uh, table reading drinking game. Uh, where the participants will be drinking uh, and have to drink if they break certain rules, such as uh, if they make a mistake while they're reading, they have to take a drink. Uh, there's going to be certain words that the audience has voted on that any time a cast, uh, a cast reader or a script reader uh, says that particular word, they're going to have to drink. Uh, and so on and so forth. There's a whole list of the drinking game rules, but if you would like to spend time with Daniel Harris and, Tiffany Shepsis and Ted Raimi and others uh, watching them read from the script of Halloween three season of the witch. Uh, just one hour from now at 1030, uh, you can head over to the scripts gone wild YouTube page and, and take part in the fun. And I do just want to say, I'm going to throw this in there. It's been, it's been, I don't know, 30 years since I've seen it. And since I've been reading really? the shape, uh, the Halloween note, the shape book, uh, it's really making me want to revisit Halloween 3 Season of the Witch because it really – it could be 30 years since I've seen it. Yeah, dude. Wow. I'm 44, man. Like, I, like, it's been a long fucking time, dude. Man, like, I, when I saw it, it, I was like – When I saw it when I was a little kid – and well, not maybe a little kid, but like was yeah. falling deeper under the spell of the Halloween series. I was like, what the hell is this not Michael Myers shit? And like I saw it once when I was a kid. Even I might have even saw it before I saw Halloween. And uh, but then and then learned when I saw Halloween and whatnot and like didn't want to go back to it. Uh, but after my reading yeah. all about it in the shape book, I think I'm going to revisit 
uh, Halloween three season of the witch for the first time in, in, in a long, long time. Uh, that was a common thing with movie. a lot of people though. That, you know, it, it's not Michael Myers, fuck this movie, but yeah, you got to watch it later in life, I think, because that's when you really get an appreciation for just how good it is and a chance that they took for part three to make it completely different from Halloween and Halloween two and make this killer Irishman that fucking took a piece of Stonehenge and is killing all the children in the world with masks. It's a badass fucking movie. Like I love Halloween three. And I didn't when I was younger, just like you, Dean. I didn't like it when I was a kid, but as I got older, it, it, I watch it every Halloween now. I fucking love the season of the witch. Mm. So yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's shot from nowhere on my list uh, to close to the top of my list of things uh, to watch. So I, I, I really, I'm going to make a point to get to it uh, sometime in, in the near future. Cause um, you know, reading all about it has uh, kind of revitalized my interest in something that I might not have ever watched again. So yeah, seriously, man, after you're done with the book, please, please give it a try. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's I might not wait till I'm done with the book. I've already finished the Hollywood section. So there you go. Uh, so, yeah, when I get around to it, I'll be sure to, to talk about it. But being that Danielle Harris uh, is leading this Halloween 3 table read, uh, she also, with, uh, with her uh, partner that's going to be producing, Joe Dante, has announced her directorial debut. Uh, Danielle Harris is going to be directing uh, a film that they're titling Sequel. And... They are billing this as an all-female slasher, a brash, unashamed spectacle, led by an all-star cast of Take No Prisoners, Take No Prisoner heroines. Uh, Danielle Harris says she will be putting together uh, an assortment of notable female performers from the genre uh, to make her balls to the wall all-female slasher film sequel. Uh, she will be directing. Uh, she talks about. Uh, her her life experience as a genre performer and all of the lessons that she's learned from all of the great people she's gotten to work with uh, and that she has all kind of had in the back of her mind uh, something, an idea of directing uh, and has just been waiting for the right opportunity. And, and it, to her, this is the one. This is the one that is going to have her step behind the camera. So uh, no word again on when this is going to hit uh, the screens, uh, but uh, this is something uh, to look forward to if you are a fan of Daniel Harris and you're a fan of brash, uh, unashamed spectacles. So there you have it with Daniel Harris um, for this week. See, and but back in 2012, she actually did direct a movie called The Mum Friends. Uh, it was based off a script. What was her name? Uh, Alyssa Lobich. Um, and it was about a group of friends that, that uh, go and gather at a mansion, and it becomes like a murder mystery. Uh, it's kind of like House of a Thousand Corpses meets The Breakfast Club in a lot of ways, I would describe it. Uh, I fell in love with that movie when it came out, and I thought I had a chance to see it on television when it was on demand. But yeah, Among Friends, that was her first uh, directorial debut. Uh, Kane Hodder's in it, hmm. A.J. Bowen, uh, Jennifer Bean, a um, couple other actors I'm, I'm missing and blanking on at the moment. Uh, Kamala Jones. Um, but yeah, so it's a fantastic movie. If you're just looking for just a throwaway movie to put on, but you want to see what you can do as a director, Among Friends is a recommend. 
you know, in her comments about this, she does not reference that. She says, and I quote, I knew as soon as I finished reading the first act that sequel was the perfect fit for me. I could finally bring all of my experiences in the horror genre behind the camera and into hmm. these exceptionally written final girl characters. Uh, I've been that on the hunt for a story uh, that I've been on the hunt for a story that had strong female leads as when tele- it was intelligent and darkly comedic. Um, hmm. If I'm going to spend the next two years of my life on a film, it has to be fun. And this story has it all with Joe Dante and Mark Allen by my side. We're going to kill it. Um, so yeah, I did not know uh, that she had previously uh, directed something, uh, but this reads as like like a sounding like it's going to yeah. be a directorial debut. But I guess uh, maybe she just doesn't consider that particular film or or what. But uh, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, you know. <clears throat> well, she also directed another movie in two thousand. Another movie in two thousand eight called Prank, and it was a full length movie. So she's actually got two under her belt for directing. Well, maybe she wants to forget about those two. Yeah, maybe sequel is going to be her fucking big, big, uh, big standout as a director. You know, this is one she's going to be the most mm. proud of. Those other two are kind of practice oh, okay. runs. Which, I mean, I again, I still like Among Friends. I still think it's worth checking out. But I think an all-female-led slasher film is fucking perfect. I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah. <clears throat> Women in horror, man. Gotta love them. Cool. What else you got, Gene? Finally, on Halloween, there's going to be a special (laughs) virtual event on Shudder called Shudderfest. Can you even believe this, guys? What? Really? I've never heard of this. This is crazy. Tell us more. (laughs) Put some details. It's a free day-long event that is not just for subscribers to Shutter, uh, majority of this event is open to everyone for free. Uh, there's going to be star-studded panels and presentations. Uh, there's going to be discussions with uh, genre notables such as Tony Todd, Robert England, and Greg Nicotero. Uh, there is going uh, to be uh, all kinds of, you know, Q&As and panel discussions and so on and so forth. But Uh, The big news is that later on, as part of the event, uh, there's going to be a double feature uh, where they're going to be showing two films. Uh, The first of these films is going to be the original 1978 John Carpenter version of Halloween. And that is when the free uh, portion of Shutterfest closes down. But for Shutter subscribers, there's going to be a one-time only screening of a brand new film that's a Shutter film uh, that is not going to be uh, debuting on their service until sometime in 2021, uh, and they have not announced what this is. Uh, so it's a, a secret screening. It's a one-time only screening, and uh, if you don't get a chance to see it as part of this double feature, you're going to have to wait until uh, they officially put it on their service. Uh, so, again, with no word on what that is, uh, I feel like that's kind of like a cool little concept and a cool Halloween gift for their fans. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as a as a Shutter subscriber, 
Uh, I am a fan, but unfortunately, my night is booked up. I will not get to see it, but I will look forward to finding out uh, mm. what this film is going to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, now, I'm, I'm, curious. I'm curious now, though, if the fan base has gotten big enough to where maybe once things get to where people can be within standing distance of each other, if Shutterfest is maybe going to become like an annual thing where people get together, like Comic-Con. I'd love it. Yeah, I'd be all for it, a virtual event like that. Well, where you get to connect. I feel that's, a, that's an interesting concept, but if a year from now our world has kind of got itself on track, uh, like on Halloween, you know, majority of people are not going to be sitting home all day uh, watching an online special. Uh, I feel like maybe that's something that can become uh, something in the week before Halloween but I feel like this is a cool offering this year because a lot of people aren't going to be out and about on Halloween because of the directions of COVID-19 at this time. Oh, Monkey and I will. Yep. We'll be me out. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you will be too, but yeah, we're going to be dressing up and stalking the streets of Pennsylvania. Michael Myers and Leatherface. What yep. a combo. <laughs> Seeing if we can freak out anyone who is going out and breaking COVID-19 rules. <laughs> Just us walking the streets. <laughs> Get back in your house. <laughs> King Red, King Red, chainsaw, start, start doing his chainsaw dance in the middle of the street. <laughs> <laughs> just chasing people down the street halfway down. Until I just get tired of chasing them, let go. <laughs> <laughs> or until the cops are called. One or the other. Always. <laughs> It's a, it's okay. It's a small town. We can get back to the evil lair in due time before the cops show up. <laughs> were you guys just dressed up in Michael Myers and Weatherface? No, sir. No idea what you're talking about. We hate Halloween. This is not a Halloween house, <laughs> sir. Nope. <laughs> we're Jehovah's Witnesses. Is that a bloody chainsaw? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, we were just cutting up some meat a- and making a stew. <laughs> What's with all the horror posters inside? Oh, uh, it's left over from the last people that lived here. Oh my God! Somebody burglarized my house and put horror posters everywhere. Did you know anything <laughs> about this? No. No, man. man. We better call, call the cops. Oh wait, good thing you're already here. <laughs> God, thank you so much, officers, because they took down the Wizard of Oz posters and they put up this bloody ass Halloween poster. That is not mine. I have more horror, sir. Why is it autographed? I don't know. I don't know how they knew my name. That's probably what they did. Burglars were clever, sir. Thank God you're here. Why does it say two king? Love Sid Haig. Uh, uh, we have no idea who this king character is or who Sid Haig is. Um, anyway, officer. Nope. And <laughs> you have yourselves a good night. <laughs> we're going to figure out how to burglarize this house. <laughs> Oh, good old small town Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else, Dean? Uh, I do not. Okay. All right. Uh, Monkey, do you have anything you wanted to add before we get into movie tonight? Uh, nope. I am good, man. Okay. All right. So let's get into this Halloween pick of mine uh, for this year's 2020 Halloween, which is The Monster Club from 1981, directed by Roy Ward Baker. The plot is a fictionalized version of author Roland Chetwin Hayes is approached on the city street by a strange man who turns out to be a starving vampire named Erasmus. Erasmus bites the writer in gratitude for the small donation. 
takes to basically unharmed and bewildered victim to the titular club, which is a covert gathering place for a multitude of supernatural creatures. In between the club's unique music and dance performances, Erasmus introduces three stories about his fellow creatures of the night. Um, I've, I've wanted to cover this for a while, and then I found out that it was free on Tubi. Uh, it's a movie that I watched a lot as a kid because it's kid-friendly for the most part. Um, and, but then again, I watched a lot oh, yeah. of Amicus uh, horror when I was a kid. I watched uh, Tales from the Crypt from 1972, Vault of Horror from 73, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, which actually isn't in the House of Horrors. It's on a train. But they were all uh, anthology films and all just great stories, you know, with a, a British sentiment about them, but still fun uh, and scary in a lot of ways. This was more so of a comedy uh, feature, which is something that Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing both passed on vehemently. But Vincent Price said, fuck it, I'm trying to get away from horror and let me make this my kind of getaway from horror. You know, I'll make this my, my send off, you know, with the Monster Club and I'll be the host of this club. So. We have three stories to talk about, but first and foremost, uh, Dean, what did you think about The Monster Club? You know, uh, I watched this. It's also available uh, if you have a a membership to Amazon Prime, and uh, that is where I watched it. And uh, when I queued it up and opened it up on my TV and got to the, you know, the the page where it gives you the little image and the synopsis and, uh, you know, push play uh feature you know i'm looking at the imagery and i'm reading the description and uh there was something about it that just read so familiar to me mm-hmm. so i put it on to watch it and i watched it and there were just shades of things that were familiar but then things that were entirely not in any way and i w- was having an internal struggle about whether i had like seen this before or not uh I ultimately decided that I hadn't seen it before, but with that being said, I was kind of skeptical, uh, like going into this. And I know that we were we were being shitheads last week uh, about your <laughs> your pick and your excite your excitement uh, for this. But I have to say, uh, this was just delightful. Um, usually, it's my opinion that stuff in that era that falls into kind of like that 19 and not everything, but a lot of stuff that falls in like that 1979 to like 1983 window. um, And then Mm -hmm. stuff into the like very early seventies and beforehand, like falls into that category of, well, if I would have seen this at a certain time, maybe, but like there was something about this that like that, that didn't, that didn't hold, you know, whatever I see, and it's happened to picks that I've chosen where it happens to be something from yeah. like 1981 and we watch it and we're like, Oh man, um, I wish I would have seen this when I was 13, but uh, this was so enjoyable. Uh, the, what I liked least was like the, the music videos when they showed all of the monsters, that was great. But when it was just like <laughs> yeah. close up camera on a singer, like then I was like, all right, like let's move this along. But like the stories <laughs> were so enjoyable and it was so great. I, 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 I pictured Donald Pleasance, like Donald Pleasance, Donald Pleasance is Dr. Loomis. And I know yes, that he yep. has a long, illustrious career. Um, but whenever I see him as not Dr. Loomis, it's like, it's also so enjoyable, especially because this was just a couple years after Dr. Loomis. But um, this, I, I, I really, really enjoy this. And I, and I thank you for your pick. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Uh, Monkey, what did you think about the Monster Club? Well, before we get into what I said, I uh, just want to sit there and cover real quick that the ghoul had put up about what he thought of it, and just his opinion was that 
He questioned the choice. He began the film with low expectations and his arms crossed. But yet, within minutes, he was completely swallowed into the world and entranced by the performances. Not only did he thoroughly enjoy it, he's he's going to say that it's become a necessary viewing for every Halloween in the foreseeable future. So the ghoul enjoyed the movie as well. Yeah. 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 For me... Something about this movie just gets stuck in your head. I don't know what it could possibly be. It's just hmm. once you watch it, certain things you're not going to be able to get rid of. Possibly really bad soundtracks. <laughs> Monsters rule, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but also, it's like for, for me, though, it's just. I, I, just taking it, like he said, like the Dean said, with the uh, musical acts thrown in there, part of it was a bit of a heart a pill for me to swallow. Um, but also, I was also, you know, just because this movie was filmed pretty much with one camera throughout the entire movie. <laughs> um, and you could tell that. Because, uh, the, like, uh, but also, this movie... English. One, it's English in the like two is English in the seventies, and three, I yeah. like I took this as them trying to, to. This was like their attempt at trying to do an anthology film based on horror comics, you know, like like Creepshow, Terror or Vault, you know, Vault of Terror, you know, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, they can only go but so far because of British standards. And so, therefore, they had to make it, you know, a, a little bit cheesy, a little bit fun, you know. But it struck me, like, I was surprised when I found out that this had a theatrical release because I could have sworn this would be something that would be a direct-to-TV release. And they were aiming for family audiences, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, with all of that being said, you know, like, the, I agree with the dean of the – it really could have done without the music performances. <laughs> and I just wish we had got a little bit more Vincent Price and, um, you know, a little bit more time into the actual stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the, the music performances, especially the you know, monsters rule. Okay. I know it's very catchy. It gets to you, you know, and it sticks with you. I mean, my favorite performance is by night. That was um, the stripper with uh, Stevie Hins, uh, you know, leading the band. I mean, I just, it's such a cool fucking song for 1981, you know, and, and you get like a cool performance by the band and also by the stripper, you know, who ends up stripping off her skin and becomes a skeleton, you know, lovely bones, don't you think? Oh, yes, quite. <laughs> you know, it's such a great moment in the movie. But, yeah, I mean, it was based on the Monster Club by uh, Ronald Chetwin Hayes. So all the stories are based on the book itself, and they just kind of took liberties with it. I know yeah. Hayes hated it when he came out. He thought the movie was shit. Yeah. Because mm. they just took liberties oh. with all his stories. And made yeah. And and then I wanted to say, like, before we got into it, um, the, the movie and the artwork that was in the movie was all done by an artist called John Bolton. Uh, he's an <laughs> – excuse me. He's an English comic book artist. And I like I thought the artwork was looking familiar. I couldn't really place it until I looked it up after the fact. And it's like this dude is like just a favorite of mine growing up. Is just he was he did a lot of um, excuse me stories that were in the back of the classic X Men books back in the eighties, and they were these mm-hmm. awesome. Stories that had some really deep background storylines for the X Men characters, 
really solid, really clean artwork that was different from anything that was being done here in America. And yeah, it's just found out like the movie was like what they wanted to do with the movie was based on his artwork, which was done before the, they even started casting for the movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. Um, but going into the movie, you have uh, Chetwin Hayes being approached, like I had said, by Erasmus, who's played by Vincent Price. He's very hungry, so he has to take some kind of small donation from Hayes so he could recover. And he's not going all the way into the bite, so he's not turning him into a vampire, so he doesn't need to worry. But as his thanks, he invites him into the Monster Club. And when he first introduced, I mean, it, it's funny because you can tell that they really didn't have a budget for makeup, so they just put a lot of people on masks. Which I love the masks. They were so cool and ghoulish and weird. You know, and you have these people bouncing around. Um, and Hayes is kind of taking all this in, like, okay, this is kind of silly and this isn't real. Like, there's no such thing as vampires. But when you sit down and you have the waiter coming over to offer him, you know, some tomato juice so he could, you know, fit in. Even then, he's like, yeah, okay. Like, this is just a little bit too weird for me, but I'm going to go along with it. But they introduced a genealogy fucking map of creatures, and I loved it. The fact that they have a genealogy map of these monsters, how, you know, a vampire can hook up with a werewolf, and that's a werevamp, and, and, you know, a ghoul can hook up with a vampire, a, a vampu, you know, and a human could hook up with a ghoul, and you call it a humdu. Like, there's just this huge family tree of monsters that I thought was just so cool for the time, you know, they put that much thought into it. Yeah, but and they go into the fact that, you know, but you do you know, if they can, do not breed with humans. Humans ruin every bloodline. You know, <laughs> yeah. crossbreed with each other, but ever ever breed with a human if possible. Um, yeah. But if we can real quick, I just want to backtrack to um the opening where Vincent Price um bites him on the neck. And just mm-hmm. it's this weird, weird moment where after he's done biting, you know, he's his, you know, his wallet's on the ground, you know, um, you know, his watches on the ground. He's buttoning his shirt back up. It's like almost like they just had like a a quickie in the alley, you know. And and they're both like, okay, was it good for you? <laughs> All right, good. All right, I'm off, you know. <laughs> and essentially, that's what vampires are, though. They're they're seductive, you know. It's very sexual. You know, vampires, you know, they have to go for the jugular. They have to suck your blood. You know, it's a very sexualized thing. But to see two old men like John Carradine and Vincent Price just get finished up, you're like, okay. You know, with John Carradine <laughs> just straightening up his tie just with that faraway look. Well, Vincent Price is like, Ooh, yeah, great blood. such noble blood. I got to thank you. You know, <laughs> let's invite you to the club. You know, you can meet everybody. And there's just such an assortment, like I said, but. Um, he gets down to talking about the Shadmok, which is a creature that has a demonic whistle uh, that is kind of devastating to its victims. And it's a great story. It's a, a short one, but one that I thought was a strong one to lead off with <laughs> just because of the setup of the story with having a, a woman that's struggling financially with her boyfriend, and they find out that this man named Raven is offering a job as a secretary. So she's going to go there and be his secretary and, and – you know, try to swindle him out of his money. But Raven's living the fucking perfect life, if you ask me. Fucking gigantic house, nobody around to bother you. Like, you could do whatever you want, hang out with birds, and he's living a perfect life. Yeah, except the he cat. He looks like a monster. Except the fucking cat. The cat eating this fucking bird, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when that happens, poor fucking Raven. But 
Raven, he, you know, he says he looks like a ghoul and everything. I think it was not that bad looking. You know, I think mean, they could have made him a little bit more ghoulish. Yeah. I, I thought they were trying, but maybe didn't have the budget for it to d- make them look like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, you know, I thought that's what they were shooting for, maybe. But again, they just didn't have the money for the effects. Yeah, they, I, it's possible because I mean, the one power that he has is his whistle. You know, it's, you get to see what happens to that cat when it attacks one of his birds, and he just melts <laughs> the shit out of that cat, and it's just a puddle <laughs> playing in the grass. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Yeah, but but then also we have um, the lady that you know is there with Raven, and I, I don't want to sit there necessarily say she's like financially struggling. I want to say that her and her asshole boyfriend are more like con artists. You know, they're always tr- trying cons because yeah. you know he, he's always talking about we, you know, looking for jobs in the paper. We just got to find one really good, expensive job so we can pull off and get some shit so we can <laughs> run off and do some stuff. And of course, it's it's the boyfriend. Yeah, he's the asshole boyfriend, but he's always making her do everything. You know, like you have to go there and you have to seduce him and you have to trick him into this. And then you got to find that safe. And then you got to find the combination of that safe. I'm gonna sit here and fucking read newspapers and smoke cigarettes. So that's where I'll be if you give me. Yeah, <laughs> sitting here drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, reading the paper. Yeah, because we because when she first approaches Raven, you know, and opens the door and and you know she just runs away terrified. Because she's there to uh, be, uh, you know, excuse me, there to help him catalog all of his collection. But you know, he she sees him and she just runs, and then he's like, "No, if that house is as big as you say it is and it's full of what you even thought you saw, you're going back now." <laughs> yeah, and, and it was a hell of an estate, and that was huge. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just loved the house. I like. Yeah, yeah. I just like you didn't really see much of the grounds, but uh, every bit of the house, like I, I fucking loved it. It's just old, old, you know, in, English estate, dark wood all over the place, in this gigantic palatial mansion. It was just awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool to see. Um, but you have this, this budding kind of romance that Raven thinks that he has going on with, with Angela, you know, where he's like, I'm, I'm falling for you, and I, I think I want to ask for your hand. I was like, man, you're working quick. Like, she's only been there, what, a day? Like, you know, give it time, Raven. I know, you know, it's you know, the first female you've ever seen, probably. I don't know. Because they don't go too much into that, you know, his, his history, as far as him being alone and living in this estate. It just show you that he's a creature and he lives by himself. I mean, he does have relatives, as we see later on. But other than that, you don't really get, a, you know, to see any pictures of him with anybody else. Right. But he uh, understands what he looks like. He knows what he looks like. You know, so he's constantly saying, you know, I know you can grow to love me. You know, j- just give me time. Get to know me. You can grow to love me. And all of a sudden, Look while this is all going on, I hit his career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and while all this was going on, I was like, oh, so this is where Disney ripped off the plot for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right? It felt so much like Beauty and the Beast. I mean, especially when she goes back to her boyfriend and she's like, I can't do it. Like, I can't because he's, he's sweet. Like, I can't, I can't swindle him because he, just, he doesn't deserve it. 
Yeah, and at this point, you know, if it was an American movie, he would have slapped her and been like, no, bitch, you're going back. You're going to make that money. But, you know, no, no, this is English. We're not going to do that. <laughs> no, yeah, they're, 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 not, they're not all about that. <laughs> not about the slapping of the female, which is nice. But, you know, just, the whole thing is that he has a safe where he, keeps all, where he keeps the engagement ring that he wants to give Angela and all, these other, all this other money that he has. And she basically just watches him, you know, open up the safe so she can remember that combination. That's pretty fucking smart. <laughs> like, it's not like she had a notepad. She's like, okay, so three, fifteen. Seven. Nope. She's like, I'm just gonna watch him, and I'll remember that combination. And he, and, he, and he trusts her because he does it right in front of her. It's like you know, he's saying everything that I have is yours. You know, what's in this safe is yours, and and that's all of his money that's in there because we because he doesn't use banks. He only you know. He doesn't do banks. He doesn't Smart like man. people. He, he <laughs> right, fuck people. See, I love especially it. in He's the se- especially in the seventies. Yeah, don't trust fucking banks. <laughs> but it's another one of those things where I kind of I wondered while the story was going on. We knew that he was going to ask Angela to marry him, and that's how she was going to get the money because she was going to disagree to this, and then she was going to take his money by opening up the safe. Why wouldn't the boyfriend say, "Let's just fucking rob him"? Let's just grab a couple guns, we'll go in there, we'll strong arm him, and then we'll just take his cash. You remember the passcode that his safe, you know, let's just do it. Like, it never came across his mind to do that. Because you don't have guns in England. That's why. Oh, <laughs> shit, that's right. Yeah, England doesn't have guns. I keep forgetting that. But you can, yeah, well, but you can still the, use a couple you – know, you can still use a couple of black Billy clubs, Billy clubs <laughs> beat the crap yeah. out of them, open up the safe, safe and run. <laughs> you know exactly, but yeah, it but cost, that would have made. But 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 then we wouldn't have had the awesome dance sequence going on in the grand ballroom of Raven's Estate. That was really cool. Like I, I actually like that sequence when everybody is wearing masks. You know, because that's the thing that Raven wants to wear, and his whole family wears masks to kind of disguise themselves. You know, from their because their hideous features. And then when uh, Angela enters wearing this just really just elegant ball gown, and then, yeah, you begin to dance with uh, Raven's cousin, you know, the big bearded guy. And I was like, yeah, there he is. <laughs> you know, and he's a really good dancer. And she's like, oh, uh, i got to go to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> and, sure, you know, and she takes so fucking long at the safe. Like, <laughs> you've been there how many times? And you've watched him doing how many times? <laughs> okay. I'm just, oh, no, fuck it. I'm like, that's some fucking balls right there. To think that he's not going to come and find you. Like he's not going to be like, wow, she's taking a really long time. I better go check on my future yeah. wife. Oh, there she and, is. She's robbing me. And why would How you do it on the night when life? the house is full of people? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, nobody's gonna look, come? I feel that yeah. a party, like a big party where he's the host, does create the opportunity of him being distracted by his party hosting mm. duties. Uh, I think that is the reason why. If you're just there chilling at the house with him, you're like, oh, darling, I'm just going to go excuse myself to the room where your safe is by myself for a while. I think she was expecting that he would be <laughs> dancing and talking and entertaining uh, and all of those things, and ultimately uh, her her plot was foiled. It was. Yeah. And honestly, I felt bad for Raven because he felt like he had found his person you know, he's going to be with the rest of his life, but... His and one and only somebody. Her, like, yeah, and he even tells her, like, who fucking cares about money, man? 
Like money means nothing. What about me? Like, it just, it just, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, like basically telling when me. When am like, I going to find my one and owe me someone? Yeah, me too, man. Me too, baby. I'm right there with you. I never know I'm going to find my one and owe me. My friends. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even whistle that good, so Raven's got to step up on me. <laughs> um, it's good. It's too neat. You so. <laughs> is anybody with me, David Silverman? Is anyone with yeah, me? Yeah, I'm with you. I know exactly what you're doing. I was just letting you go. The voice of an angel. I tell you. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, he stresses yeah. that, you know, money isn't important. You know, he, and he goes, you can take it all. You can take all the money. Just stay with yep. me. You know, and you can yeah. grow to love me, and all of the, you can have all the money you want. Give it to whoever you want, but you know, just <laughs> stay with me. Yeah. But then she fucking loses Literally. her shit. <laughs> oh my god, she does. Like I can never love you. The perfect opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect opportunity. Just say I do. You can fuck whoever you want. Yeah, just say you love me. Say you'll be with me. You can fuck whoever you want. You can take all my money, but at the end of the day, you're my wife. Like, how about that? I think any woman would be like, okay. And so she's like, you monster! Get away, don't touch me! Don't fucking touch me! And, well, that's it. Gotta blow the whistle on this one. <laughs> and she yeah. just, he, you know, up close shot of his lips as he's whistling, and then all of a sudden the party stops, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Well, she's gone. <laughs> Lost another one, didn't you, Raven? <sighs> but it leads to such a fucking middle ending. <laughs> When the boyfriend's at the hotel and he's like, oh, babe, hello, hey, yes, you get the money? You, did you get him? Oh, why won't Oops. you be with me? What's that, honey? What's that? Why don't you turn around and look at me? Oh, I will. Oh, my face is melted off. It's like, oh, cool. So for PG movie, they're showing up close shot of a woman's face melted off. Why won't you love me? Why won't you love me? Oh, shit. To the mental institution. Well, so I, I was I was hoping when she turned around because uh, they teased it earlier with the cat I was hoping for like the same kind of like tarry like meltiness mm. like is when they showed yeah, the cat yeah. but you know you can't get everything you want in life. I thought it worked better <laughs> the way that they did it. She's still alive. She's just fucking horribly melted. Like there is. Well, no, I know, but I was like, hoping now. for like the face to be to still be alive, but like her her face to be more melted. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree there. I thought the effect for what it was, it worked, but it's like the ultimate moral of the story. You know, if you have a chance to be with somebody who's willing to offer you all the money in the world and all you got to do is marry him, just marry him. Because you can do whatever you want, you know, I mean, fuck it. You can go anywhere you want, you can spend all the money in the world, and all he wants you to do is come home to him every night. Pretty fucking solid uh, plan. Yep. Just cover his face with a pillow so you don't have to look at it. I mean, you know, sugar daddies are a thing. It's not like that's not a thing. There's a lot of women out there that I'm sure are hooked up with very old men and that are, are financially healthy, you know, and just living the dream, you know. This didn't work out for Raven yeah. when he's sitting on the floor of the ballroom, you know, closing out that story of the Shad Pot. Um, and then we move on to another uh, song break. With B.A. Robertson, and I'm a sucker for your love, and just man, <laughs> the camera, the cameraman was having a good time. Oh my god! <laughs> you know? uh, this, yeah, it's like this dude had no back backup uh, band. It was apparently just him. You know, he, he yeah. it was a band, but nope, no band, 
just him and lots of really bad zooming in, zooming out, zooming in, zooming out. That's all that was. Is zooming in, zooming out. Now it's just like, you know, Diva's looking at me while I'm watching this. She goes, they couldn't afford two cameras. They really couldn't afford two cameras. No, I mean, because who wants to look away from B.A. Robertson? You know, I mean, good looking guy from the one, and he's actually a pretty famous Scottish singer. I'm sure he is, but he's got a lot of teeth in that mouth, and they just kept <laughs> getting really close on those teeth. <laughs> yeah. But after that performance, we're introduced to a film producer who's coming in to screen his latest feature, which is a vampire story. So this is where we have Erasmus and uh, Hayes watching this movie that's presented, where it's a timid young boy living with a family. And the father, for some reason, likes to sleep in the basement a lot. He just doesn't come around during the day. He's always living at night. All the while, his son's getting beaten up and bullied. But we also get introduced to Pickering, played by Dr. Loomis himself, Donald Pleasance, who is disguised as a preacher when he first introduces himself to the boy, offering him butterscotch candies for some reason. I would never take <laughs> fucking butterscotch candy from a priest. And he doesn't either. Good choice. Like, Hello, would you like well, butterscotch candies? It's it's because he's no. old, and old people always offer hard candy because it never <laughs> goes bad in their in their pockets or purse, you know. But this movie, like this particular segment, was my favorite of the three. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. this one. <laughs> um, and, but and yeah, like and, said, it's just so weird to see Donald Pleasance as not Loomis in a fucking movie. Like, where's his goatee? Where's his trench coat? Is he kind of fat? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's so weird to see him, but he's such a good actor, and I just I love seeing him bickering. You're the Duke. <laughs> and he has these two guys, and the one guy with the mustache, I could have sworn that they were trying to channel Christopher Lee in the 1970s with him, because Christopher Lee had a mustache just like this one guy. And I was like, oh, that would have been so cool for Christopher Lee to be in the sequence with Donald Pleasant, even though they weren't in a movie together in the 80s called uh, Raw Meat. A.K.A. Uh, the Tubes, which is all about cannibals and the, the Tubes of London. This is another movie worth checking out. But it's the fact that they're bureaucratic vampire hunters. <laughs> it's like, like a bowler hat. <laughs> and they're nicely pressed suits. And they're violin cases where they keep their hammers in their stakes. Yeah, but also another thing about the violins is the, vi- the violins here are used a lot in the background. And Lainey noted that it was definitely um, – <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Western Europe, you know, Polish slash Russian uh, gypsy style playing of violin. So she really, really enjoyed the music for the sequence just because, you know, hey, it's the music of her people, you know. <laughs> and she hey, really yeah. enjoyed that that was co- constantly playing in the background. Well, you were saying, dude? You say something? Oh, I was just imitating the monkey. Hey, it's just the music of her people. Hey. <laughs> but it's also you have Britt Eklund as the wife of, of the, the, the matriarch of this family but you might remember from the Wicker Man the original Wicker Man or she played one of the Bond oh, girls oh I love that movie and Britt Eklund is oh, amazing I, in the Wicker Man I love that just, yeah I love that film uh, you know yeah. as, as I've said before when I, I sold off all my media uh, and I, I, I kept a handful of things and my Wicker Man uh, special edition uh, I kept it's the one with that comes in like the wooden box yeah. that has the the burned in etched in uh, logo on the cover and it has both the theatrical and extended versions. Like there was no way I could part with that. 
No. I told you a long time ago, don't ever get to the part with that because that's a rarity. You know, you can't find that anymore. So that's worth keeping on the shelf. Can you not? Is it really a rarity? I just kept it because I love it. Yeah. It's a rarity. That's that's one of the rare cases. I mean, I could find one, but it's going to cost me a pretty penny. So it's worth holding on to, especially if you're a fan of the book. Yeah, but uh, when we get back to this, I, I like that it's the mother protecting her son. You know, he's you know always pampering him, uh, just making sure he always looks nice. And just, you know, father works at night. He works in the city. <laughs> sleeps down in the basement because he doesn't like to be bothered. But then we also see that, you know, the school stuff that's going on where he's constantly bullied at school. Uh, obviously, the small uh, runt of litter that, that's going on there. And just again, just watching old school, like elementary school antics going on and just kids being kids and picking on each other, you know, in a day and age back before everything had to be, you know, everyone hug and make up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a great way for Pickering to kind of get his way in with the son. Like, this is my way in. I'll tell him that, you know, I'm a man of the cloth and, like, you know, these kids shouldn't be bullying you and I'll be friendly to him. So it's kind of like him getting his way in so he could get closer to him because he knows that there is a vampire in that fucking basement. And that's the one that's eluded him for a long time. And he has to get to it. I, I love the sequence of him just stalking the wife when he just peeks his little head up from the fucking window shop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> looking at him, that little grin on his face. Yeah, yeah, as she's walking away through town, hitting the markets. Um, yeah, the food yeah, shop. <laughs> yeah, but while he's doing that, then we cut back to the family time that they spend together. You know, the dad, he he is a family man. You know, when yeah. he wakes up, he takes that t- takes that time before he goes to work. You know, to play with his son, you know, to have fun, family time. You know, he, he is a family man. And, you know, they're a family, and, and yeah. she's a very proud wife and mother. And and the father is played by Richard Johnson, who was in the original Haunting from 1963. That's what I know him from, but he's been in a ton of movies. Great actor, but, you know, playing a vampire in this one and being stalked by Donald Pleasance is amazing. Especially when Pickering but, has just had enough. And he's just like, this is it. We know he's in there. You're going to have to fucking watch while we stake your fucking father in the heart. Like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> See, and, and after your father told you to watch out for the B-Squad, always watch out for was it the B, was it the B-Squad or the B-Men? Yep, it was the B-Squad. It was the B-Squad, yeah. Okay. You know, of, of, of blood crimes. <laughs> yeah, and that's why they're there because he's eluded them for the longest time. Yeah, but I love when they show up and, you know, watch out for the violin cases. Watch out for the men with the violin cases. You know, and there they are with their fancy ass violin cases and just coming in here all, you know, <clears throat> all like Desperado. You know, what's in the guitar case? A guitar. No, it's not. It's a steak. <laughs> <laughs> and like massive steaks, too. Not like little wooden ones that, you know, Van Helsing might carry. Now, these things are massive. And they managed to fit yeah, them in man. these little violin cases. So amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, I just, yeah, it's I was fun excited. watching the pleasant <laughs> that scene because you just see Wilmus in that scene. Like, Where is he? Going down in the basement and you have to watch. <laughs> you stop the evil. Yeah, it's like, why? Yeah, it's like, why, why are you going to make the kid watch? You know, that's fucked up as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so great when he finds the father in the basement and he opens up the coffin and just very kind of casually takes out that stake and puts it over the heart and then just taps it once into the guy's chest. And then he has that little smile on his face like, you see? You see what I'm doing right here? B squad. Where are my boys at? (laughs) And then just doing it once more and you think that he would back up away from the vampire or he's going to explode or nothing like that. No. The vampire wakes up and immediately bites Pickering in the neck. Oh, well, uh, I need to go to a hospital. No, you don't. <laughs> that I said, yeah, oops. And I loved it. Oh, sorry, Dean, what were you going to say? You just said oops, so yeah. That's when a he big said, problem. Uh, he said <laughs> in the neck, I just, I just said oops. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> Somebody call an ambulance. Well, you're not going to need one. Yeah. Get you like, and now you're gonna be one on. of him. You know what? You know what's gonna happen. You're gonna, you know, that's not how the virus works. We we can't take you to a hospital. You're one of them. Don't worry. We're just gonna give you a quick little tap tap, and you'll be out of it. I just loved it when he's there. You know, all, no worries so about British. it. Just a quick little tap tap, you'll be done. Tennis <laughs> way like tap, tap, a <laughs> Yeah, but, and then it was just so great to see just the horrible effects they put into his mouth. <laughs> you know, Pleasance was like, no, I'm not a vampire. And then immediately he opens his mouth and there's these big, huge fangs in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can almost cue the Benny Hill music as they're running around chasing him, <laughs> trying to put the stake into his chest. And then when they finally corner him and do it, and he just gasps and you just see the little teeth in his mouth and it's like, that's it for him. <laughs> And then when they carry him out in the stretcher, they already have the team waiting, and they put the coins on his eyes. And I thought that was just such a nice touch to put those, you know, coins over his eyes so he can get over the rubber sticks. Mm. Pay the ferryman. Yes. But I thought it was also funny, though, because while they're carrying him away in the stretcher, if you look under the, the stretcher, the stake, was st- st- <laughs> no, the stake was sticking through the stretcher. <laughs> yeah, it was in the bottom of the stretcher. And then they just rolled him into that hearse. And I was like, how did they do that? <laughs> that thing was poking all the way through that stretcher. He thought it would have caught yeah, like yeah, bad, bad effect. <laughs> yeah, bad effect. Yeah, roll model. Yeah, a little, little, little hiccup. <laughs> yeah, but when we cut back to the to the family, and then all of a sudden the father, like, you know, sits up, and he's like, oh, yeah, he goes, I got a stick-proof chest on, and I just used ketchup. It's like, no, he nailed that thing all the way through your chest. <laughs> that thing was deep. That was all the way through. There's no way that you were wearing a stick-proof vest. <laughs> that thing was jutting out. Yes, but I think again this is probably where uh, I thought maybe this was like a made-for-TV movie, and they were shooting for you know family entertainment here is because again they cop out with the family-friendly ending here, and and the joke about you know wearing a fake-proof vest and a packet of ketchup underneath you know his shirt. <laughs> packet of ketchup. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It's just a packet of ketchup, like you know. But yeah. it's a fun ending though, yeah. because it's a it's a fun one. You know, it's a good one where it's like you know the father didn't die; he still has his dad. You know, the vampire hunter, the head is dead. B squad's still out there, but they think the vampire, you know, is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so right. They think they but then and I like the spin about, you know, not all monsters are bad here, you know, and he's just going out doing his thing, <laughs> but he can, he can be, have a family, be a family man, you know, yeah. take care of his family. <laughs> he's just got to go out and take care of his nightly obligations. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a wonderful segment. I, I agree. It's, it's, I don't know if it's my favorite. I think the, the final one is my favorite 
Um, but it's a great segment, especially seeing Donald Pleasance in 1981, the same year that Halloween 2 came out um, as this Vampire Hunter. Uh, but after that segment, we're introduced tonight, where they sing the song The Stripper. Like I said, it's probably my favorite song of the movie, especially because you get that nice little strip tease of the woman going behind that screen yeah. and turning into a skeleton. She rips off her skin. Yeah, and it's like, you know, and I made the diva make sure she paid attention during that song because I was like, during this song is the most famous scene out of the entire movie. <laughs> it's like there there are gifts about it all over the internet. If you take away nothing from this movie, you have to take away the strip scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you remember. And then we, we have uh, Hayes and we have Erasmus talking about uh, humans and ghouls and what happens when they combine. And then you get the hume goons. And hume goons are just good for nothing. They don't really do anything. They don't have any powers. <laughs> They're just human ghouls. They're worthless creatures. Nobody really cares about them. But he did hear of a story. And then we get into that with Stuart Wigan playing Sam, the film director, wanting to find a decrepit village where he could film his horror movie in. Um, he ends up going to the town of Lowville, which is a village off the beaten path. It reminded me a lot of maybe M. Night Shyamalan ripping off this uh, segment for the village. I was like, yeah, uh, probably, you know, because it's Worst spoiler often... in my history of movie watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's terrible. Yeah, but, he... but then I was like, M. Night probably watched this and said, yep, I'm going to do that. <laughs> but, yes, he would be like, oh, man, he back in the famous <laughs> Back in the what, rental what, news, I'm sure I've said this on the show before. This is saying, like, back, like yeah. I said, the biggest, the, the worst spoiler that ever happened to me, uh, you know, as an M. Night fan at the time and hadn't seen the village, it finally hit the home video market and I had rented it. This was still in the days where you would go and rent something that you hold in your hands. And uh, I was talking to a coworker and I said, uh, I rented the, the M. Night Shyamalan film, The Village. Uh, and my next sentence was going to be, and I'm going to watch it tonight. And before I could get that part out, uh, the person was like, oh, wasn't the ending crazy when? And just blurted out the whole ending. Um, oh. worst, the worst thing that's ever been spoiled. It was the worst spoiler that's ever happened. <laughs> oh. I just thought you didn't like the ending. I didn't know somebody spoiled it for you. Jesus. Fire that person. How did it work? <laughs> Not something that you but, but do, it, but yeah. <laughs> But again, because he's a fancy director in England and whatnot, yeah, he has his nice Porsche 911 tar- <laughs> Target Turbo. <laughs> I knew you would knew a car. I was like, watch the fucking monkey just flex on everybody. He's like, yeah, I know that car. Nice one. Yeah, it was the 911 Target Turbo with the big ass uh, whalebone spoiler on the back, man. <laughs> yeah. That which, that, that yeah, green which, was yeah. really hard to come by, just so you know. And I believe that car was actually still running until, like, 2008, because there's actually a bunch of history about that car. <laughs> that specific car. Ugly-looking car, car if you ask me. I, I wasn't getting that. the director to drive. So he gets to Roville, and he gets introduced to Patrick McGee, who's uh, playing a ghoulish type character. And Patrick McGee uh, played a, in a lot of Amicus movies, most notably uh, Tales from the Crypt where he played a, a member oh, of a blind okay. group of people in a blind home, uh, and they end up killing the uh, the owner of the blind home because he's an abusive asshole. Wonderful segment with Patrick McGee, who's been in a ton of movies. He was an Irish actor, 
and to see him here playing this ghoulish type of caretaker, telling uh, Sam that you can't leave. Like, it's just not going to happen. The elders are going to come, and you can't leave. Like, of course I will. Now she get my car and drive. And, well, they took out the engine part, so he can't get his car to start. And then a bunch of people in cloaks come out and try to grab at him. They steal his coat. I love- chase him off into a room. Yeah. I, I love when the, he opens the engine to see what's wrong. And all it is is just someone just took some brand new wires, cut, cut them, and yep. <laughs> splayed the ends, and then laid them over top of the engine. Not even like, you know, put some random parts on top of the engine. Just took some brand new wires and laid them go, oh, look, those brand new wires. <laughs> and I was just well, like, they're oh, demons. Come on. They don't know. They don't know about car stuff. They're demons. I mean, they're all cloaked up and they're trying to devour the giant. <laughs> they're not human goo. They're, they're demons. The only human goo that we meet is Luna um, in this movie, and she's the daughter of Patrick McGee's character, the, the caretaker of the place where, where Sam first went into. The rest of them are just demons. And when we meet Luna, she can only speak in, in broken sentences because she's a human goo. And never was properly thought. Because her dad is the demon and her mom was a human. So, and her mom's dead. But I loved her explanation of how they survive. Like we, we, oh, we yeah. get boxes. We get boxes from, from over there. And, you know, the, the boxes have clothes in them and they have food. You know, their food. And your food, too. And what? Yes, your food. Like that's, that's what you are. And that's, that's what you're going to be. So, and then when he looks down and he sees the cemetery and all the coffins have been taken out of their graves and been ransacked. And you find out that, yeah, they, they are cannibalistic. You know, these, these people, and they are intent on eating them, even though they could have rabbit because she makes a new rabbit stew just for Saturday. She cooks. And he's yeah, like, hey, I, I thought, you're kind of hot. I'm taking you out of here. Yeah, I, I love the explanation part of this story. And, you know, just the you know, boxes in the ground, and, you know, that's where we get our clothes. That's where we get everything. You know, but we're running out of boxes. We have no more boxes, which is why you can't—you're <laughs> not going anywhere, you know. And it was just like, yeah, it just really hit me. I was like, wow, that's really subtle storytelling. But that's like, you know, <laughs> some really hard shit there. Yeah, we get everything out of the ground, including our food. And I was just like, oh, but, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, oops. But yeah. She kind of gives him that soft explanation, and she tells him, "Okay, listen, if you know you you can't get out of here, but if you want to go hide, just go hide in the church because they can't cross holy ground. So if you can make it over there, you're going to be safe for a while. But uh, so just go, you know, and and then you know maybe I'll come with you. And he's like, well, you have to because you're hot. You'll be hot in the in the city. Like, come on, like you can be an actor to make you famous. <laughs> but first, we have to survive." Um, but then you get the secondary explanation when he gets into the church and he finds the, you know, the dead body of the man that lived in that village and first encountered one of these demons in a cemetery. And the artwork I know you talked about, I, just, I, I loved it. Just to see this demon hiding in the cemetery, then you see the reverend of this town bathing this demon and then putting it to bed and watching over it and thinking that he can cure this, this demon, but he can't because the demon's a demon. Can't. And the next thing you know, he's finding the demon in the cemetery eating the bones of a person that had died. So, but before you know it, now there's 12 of them. Yeah. Now there's 13 of them. Now there's 14. <laughs> and now they're taking over the entire town. And they're just ripping everybody to shreds and taking this town over. <clears throat> because that one demon got the good life in him, and now he's like, hey, demon friends, come on over. There's a whole <laughs> village of people we could eat. Yeah. <clears throat> and, <laughs> again, great artwork, you know, um, 
throughout the entire sequence, along with the artwork that's at the very end of the movie, again done by the same artist. Uh, but but yeah, just easy explanation, you know. Just do a quick comic book scene. We're cool. <laughs> it worked. I mean, it was just it, it without having to film anything. Just have you know, just cells. Just have anime. You know, just have drawings. You know, showing you exactly yeah. what happened, and it gives you the whole story. Um, and of course, they can't cross holy ground. So when Luna eventually makes her way over to that church, he grabs a giant cross and like vampires. You know, they all hiss and run away because they can't look at that cross <clears throat> because it's just it's just hazardous to their health. I just love how much he uses it. Like he puts it in the doorway, so they just can't get away. He puts it in the window. It's like the cross is like, "What's up, guys? You can't come in here. I'm a cross." <laughs> and gotta love that prop worker like, for making such a sturdy cross, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you it's, think, but, like, they, it's they supposed to be gold, but it's, it shakes all over the place. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And but it, it's to protect you know both Luna and him. He's going to grab that cross, and they're just going to go for it. They're just going to run, you know. And they have to make their escape onto you know common ground. So with the ghouls chasing and throwing rocks at them, um, if they can cross the mist, they'll be okay because that mist will protect them. It's like the elders. You know, and, and as long as we can cross the, the mist, they can't follow. They kind of can, though, because they do. You know, they, they, they eventually make their way left of the mist. They just run to the left and like, yep, got it. You know, we're, we're going to run around the mist. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be okay. The best part of this entire sequence is when Luna is running with Sam. And one of the villagers throws the smallest of rocks at her back and it just shatters her spine. He's like, oh, my back. Like, oh, I am surely dying. That rock, it broke my spine, and I can't go on. I am dying. I'm like, no, you just got hit by like a small pebble. Like, you tell me you're dying from that? Okay, uh, okay but it was, it was supposed to be from a sling. Okay, so that's, that's <laughs> the thing. Okay, is it supposed to be from a sling? If I hit you in the sling, rock with so... a sling, you're not going to go, I'm paralyzed for life. I'm dying. What would you do that for? Like, <laughs> like, what it was what? a money shot, man. It hurt, kind of. it's, like, it, it's like Bane and Batman. Just hit the right spot on the spine and <laughs> shatter that shit. No, it's not Bane and Batman. Bane picked him up and broke him over his big-ass fucking muscular knee. This is a tiny pebble True. from a slingshot. And she's like, oh, now I'm dead. Leave me behind. I, you can't go on. So he's like, all right, fuck it. I'm just running for safety. I'm literally like three yards away is the fucking road. All these cars driving past. Like, you know, and how convenient the cops are coming. I was like, wow, that's great. This cops is casually driving by. Like, oh, you have to believe me, officers. There's this village, and they're fucking maniacs. And they're like, all right, all right, calm down, calm down. I'm just going to. So take you back to the uh, precinct and we'll have a conversation, eh? Like, that sounds like a great idea. Wait a second. Why are you driving this way? Wasn't that the sign this for Lobo? <laughs> and they passed the body of Luna on the way, and he's like, fucking, eh, where are we going? Oh, don't worry. You know, we, we're going to take care of her, you know, in the back. You know, she's going to be taken care of, and the elders are coming, too. And it's like, oh, yeah. I just love it when they pull into the village. Yeah, it's overcast. And Patrick McGee is just standing like, yeah, motherfucker. Welcome back. <laughs> and, he, and the cops turn around and go, yeah, the elders always get a police escort when they come into town. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> and you see McGee just standing there and just it's overcast, like even more so. And then all the villagers jump on top of the car and they're smacking the windows and snarling at him, and he knows he's fucked. 
And just the, the funniest way to end this is the policemen turn around and they got fucking gigantic fucking razor sharp teeth in their mouth. Clearly plastic fangs, <laughs> but man, they went for it. <laughs> they didn't need to because none of these others had any fangs in their mouths at any time. They just had normal teeth, you know, but for some reason the police, they have the fangs. So, not, yeah, not, turn not. around and give that to but, I mean, for, for a scare factor, especially back then, it, it worked. You know, because it's just not the happy ending the vampire story had. Or, you know, the, the Shadmock story had the sad ending. So this one does, too. Where it's like, that guy got fucked. Yeah. And he's going to be... Well, this one, Yeah, and this one hit you at a different couple spots, you know, of just messing with you, you know. <laughs> and just to end it on just that dark tone was cool. And... You know, as as you were watching the different shorts, each one has its own different feel, and none of them were all going for the same effect. And I thought, you know, so I'll definitely give it props there where different styles of storytelling for each of, each of the different segments. Yeah, and I like the fact that he, when he did escape, he did run into the police, and he thinks that he's safe, and you think that that's safe haven. You know, if I find my way to the police, they'll protect me, and they won't because they are the ones that are driving him in because they're the escorts for the elders, like you had said, so it's you're not safe, and it ends on that kind of. I mean, the only thing I could have made it better is if they ended it on a freeze frame. I mean, it is '81; they were still <laughs> using freeze frames. <laughs> no, they just they close it out with 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 that, with just him being stuck in the village. And then we cut back to the Monster Club once more uh, with the Erasmus. After telling him these stories, uh, Hi, you know, Hayes says, "I gotta go, man. Like I just I've been here too long. It's been fun, but I can." He's no, 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 wait, 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 wait. He's like, I, I've grown to, to really appreciate you, and I, I think I'm going to put you up a membership. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Come on, everybody, come over, come over, come over. Like, I want to make him a member. And the werewolf boy's like, he can't be a member. He's not a monster. He's like, oh, that's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong, my friend. Because humans are the greatest monsters of all when you think about it. Sure, they so don't great. have power like you do. Yeah. I love he just – this is my favorite – when he just – Runs yeah, down that fucking never-ending list, like of everything that man has created, was just fucking fantastic. I was listening to it, and I was like, man, and this is 1981, and how prescient <laughs> now in, in 2020 uh, <laughs> to hear some said list, considering everything that has gone on in the world from then until now. Uh, that was just fantastic. It's yeah the way because yeah. when the one monster shouts out well what are well, he doesn't have any powers and he's like well that's where you're wrong they have executions they have drownings they have stabbings they have shootings they've gotten tanks and missiles and don't even get me started on their nuclear power they've opened up execution camps and concentration camps and work camps of all kinds and they've even developed viruses that can spread across any part of the world at any time that they want. And if that Muskets doesn't make somebody a monster, I don't know what the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rifles and knives. Yeah. And on and on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, and while he was going throughout this entire thing, it, you know, you know, this was way before the Matrix, but it was pretty much saying everything that they said in the Matrix about the human species. You know, the yeah. same thing about the humans are a virus to the planet. And here Vincent Price is talking about how, you know, humans are the biggest monsters on the entire planet. And how destructive they really are, <laughs> not only to the planet, <laughs> but to, to each other as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, werewolves and vampires and ghouls, like, yeah, they are monsters in a sense. But, yeah, humans are the worst. Like, we're just the fucking worst. Like, 
vampires could eat everybody and ghouls could disembowel people in cemeteries, but we still have bombs and we still have famine and we still have all this shit that just makes us all fucking terrible. <laughs> and that was the whole message that I thought was a great way to do it. And I love when the wolf man goes, man, you guys are terrible. He's like, we don't like to brag about it. <laughs> but, you know, Hayes is, is inducted. They're all, yes, of course, he's a monster. And it's great that we have a human, like, you know, in our midst. And Vincent Price is, all right, maestro, hit that music. And we get Welcome to the Monster Club, which is kind of a reggae jam. But the best part about it is having Vincent Price so fucking happy and clapping his hands. And then he just ends up dancing with his big fat girl. And he's twirling her around, and he's just looks like he wants to bang the shit out of her at one point. And he just gives a smile yeah. to John Carradine, like, "Oh yeah, man, <laughs> do you see this? <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be all yeah. mine. You know how much blood she has." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he he's just like, yeah, you know, so you in on, you want in on this too, man? You know, <laughs> he's almost got that yeah. like wingman look. Like I can hook you up, man. Come on on the floor. <laughs> And he does, though, because that girl walks over to Hayes, and then she invites him, and he's doing that weird old man dance where he's just popping his hands up and down, you know, because he doesn't know any other dance moves. So he just pops his hands up and down, and the girl's dancing with him, and then they cut back to Vincent Price, and he's dancing with that girl still. And it's just it's so fun to see him playing a character where he's never played a vampire before, but to see him just having fun. And that was what it was for me, is that he's having yeah. a fun time playing the character. Yeah, and then as, as the movie closes we, with the credits, that's when we get the painting, uh, also done by the same artist, John Bolton, and that was the painting that the movie was supposed to be based off of. Was that setting that he painted? And they yeah. and he that created the, that, yeah. and they were like, okay, this is what we want to do the movie off of. But then also, you were saying at the beginning of the episode that. Uh, Vincent Price was thinking that this was going to be like one of his last movies, like, you know, right? Like, you know, he, he was Horrible. trying to get out. And... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he then he went on to, host, he, to host Mystery for, for PBS. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he did more horror films after, after Monster Club. Like, this was supposed to be his way of, yeah. this was supposed to be his send off. Like, this was supposed yeah, to I mean, be look, his money, money, yeah. money yeah. tells the yep. tale. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. but then on top of that, it's like, you know, he's got this and he's, you know, thinking he's going to be on his way out. He's going to be done with this. And then just a couple of years later, Thriller's going to come out and then he's back on the scene again going, OK, well, I can't leave this shit now. <laughs> well, like the dean said, money talks. I'm sure Michael Jackson threw a shit ton of money at Vincent Price to do Thriller. So, I mean, I'm not look, to come to come to come do some voiceover work is a lot different than like yeah. appearing in horror movies. Yeah, and he, he doesn't cut that in one day. At all. <clears throat> yeah, and I've actually it's on YouTube. Actually, uh, you could find the outtakes of him doing the thriller rap that he does at the end of that with Michael Jackson in studio, where Michael's kind of laying down some background vocals and he's putting it down. Because for the longest time, when he did the the, the rap at the end of that music video. I always thought he was just saying they're coming to terrorize your neighborhood. No, he's saying terrorize y'all's neighborhood. So he's throwing some fucking urban flavor into it that I never knew until I was in my 20s. And I actually looked up the lyrics. <laughs> somebody told me, that he's like, no, he, he, no, Vincent Price says y'all in that. I was like, he would never say y'all. Vincent Price is a British <laughs> actor. He's never going to say y'all. All right? He would say, you know, something else. <laughs> nope, he did. 
he read the words as written, and he said, terrorize <laughs> y'all's neighborhood. And I was like, wow, wow, longest time. But it's just that's another one of those songs. Whenever it comes on, whether it's Halloween or whether it's fucking Easter time, I just jam out to that song. Like, I know, you know, just uh, I can't say enough good words about Thriller and Vincent Price, you know, just to have him in there. Because he's, he's one of those actors, I think, that people that are our age, I mean, I know I'm younger than you guys, but people around our age appreciate you know, in the horror genre, I think the younger generation really doesn't have any concept of Vincent Price. And kind of sad. No. Because to me, growing up, he was my favorite. I fucking loved Vincent Price when I was a kid. I loved all his movies. I thought he was like the actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that that being said, too, though, man, it's like for uh, people that are our age, um, they know Vincent Price and they associate him with horror. They know he's the horror guy. But not that many people our age have actually taken the time to, you know, that aren't horror fans, let me put it that way, to actually watch a Vincent Price movie. No, yeah, and, it's, and it's, I think it's worth, I mean, <clears throat> I know a lot of problems people have is that it's aged not well, because it's a product of its time, but I could watch House on Haunted Hill, or The Tingler, or uh, his first horror film that he did back in 1953, House of Wax, um, and enjoy yeah. it for what it is an entertaining horror film. I mean, he wasn't even trying to be a horror actor. He wanted to be a serious actor, like a stage actor, a dramatic actor. And he just kind of fell into it with House of Wax, and he just never looked back because he realized that there's money to be made, and if he could be the face of it, he can. When he would go on talk shows back in the 60s, and they would be like, how could you be in these ghoulish movies and with ghosts and beasties and baddies? And he's like, well, it's escapism. It's like it's just fun, and people need to look at it as fun, and not look at it as so violent or visceral. I mean, even in the movie when he talks about the uh, the, the ghouls, he says there's no sex in it, and there's no nudity, maybe a little bit of violence, but it's a moral story. And it's that a lot of it, all those movies that he did were kind of moralistic stories. You know, there was no hardcore sex or violence or nudity or bad language. You know, he just made these classic horror films that I think. That's part of the reason why not a lot of people appreciate them nowadays is because they're so kind of just bland compared to what people could be watching. Like, why am I going to watch House on Haunted Hill when I can watch Saw? You know? It's kind yeah. of sad in a way. It's just, you, you know, got to attune your palate to it, you know? Not everything has to be in your face. You can go back and enjoy classic movies with classic actors, you know? But again, that's just... For you know us movie lovers in general, it doesn't have to be just horror movie lovers, but just the people who just love watching movies to go back and watch movies from another age. Yeah, and just to, to see the productions and the, the acting styles and mm-hmm. cinematography, you know, it's, it's all worth I mean, I love movies from the 60s, and again, not just horror movies, but movies in the 60s in general, and the 70s, and yeah, even some in the 40s, just to see how they were filming things. And how they were setting yeah. up stages, and how they were all done on on stages and not just sets. Um, <clears throat> it was just a very cool to see, and I still revisit them a lot. Like I was telling you about the original Dracula, and how I think that the Mexican version of Dracula was better than the Bela Lugosi version. You know, and that's a, yeah, a you, version yeah, that you used to talk about, about that all the time, man. <laughs> <clears throat> and it was filmed at the exact same time that Dracula was being filmed, except at night. That was the only difference, you know. The, the the regular production was going on during the day, and the Spanish one was at night. <laughs> right. And, and there was just something about that adaptation that I keep trying to recommend to people because I think that Carlos Villares was just perfect. 
as Dracula. Not trying to take anything away from Bella, because Bella is, is king, you know, as Dracula. But uh, Carlos Villarius, if you guys ever get a chance to check out that Spanish version, I think you're going to see why. You know, because I think he, he was a lot more animated than Bella Lugosi was. Uh, Bella was kind of more muted with his performance, and I felt like Carlos was using his eyes and his hands, and he was just being much more animated uh, and sinister playing that and showing him how he could walk from one part of the stage to the other, and it's like he disappeared and appeared again. They were just trying different things, and I think it worked. But uh, that's a discussion for another day, because I want to get into the, the ghoul's pick for next week. He decided to go with And sinister. before we get into that, before we get into that, yep. and since the ghoul is not here, uh, and we can maybe file down the length of the plug, which I wonder if Monkey is going to give another award-winning presentation of that. There are just a couple yeah. of things that I want to share. <laughs> a couple yeah. of quick things Go I ahead. want to share with the group. Um, this has usually been the department of the ghoul, but these things came across uh, my feeds, so I wanted to check in with everybody. So first, I want to find out, and we have our names on the show, but I want to find out what everyone's horror host names would actually be uh, by dates. So, uh, Monkey, what month were you born? February. And what day? 15. So your horror host name is the Purveyor of Blood. I like it. Oh, okay. Uh, King of Horror, what month were you born? Uh, May 10th is my birthday. May 10th, same birthday as my mother. Uh, you oh. are the slayer. You are the slayer of lies. <laughs> the slayer. The ghoul. The ghoul who is not with us tonight is the seducer of graves. That's, that's, that's that. appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I think it's appropriate too. And I, I am the harbinger of evil. Ooh, that's fucking badass. That should be so your name. Those were the, the, those are like no biblical so those shit. Are, are, are <laughs> but now I have one more that's going to sure. tell us how you will meet your horror end. Uh, so, no, monkey, uh, this <laughs> yeah. involves the first letter of your first name and the last letter of your first name. So, do you want me to go with L or M for your last letter of your first name? All right, so uh, you are going to meet your Halloween end. You are going to be dismembered by a zombie in a haunted house. That's a great way to end, man. All right. <laughs> That's a great uh, King, That's a you are going to be uh, – the king is going to be eaten by the predator hmm. on a dirt road. <laughs> Wow. What? Okay. Man, the, the predator on a dirt road. That's a great way to go. The, the ghoul is going to be sat on by Jason at a cabin on the lake. It's appropriate. And myself, I am going to be beaten by Chucky while lying in bed. Oh, man, that's a brutal face. <laughs> That is how we are all going to meet <laughs> our Halloween end. And I wanted to get that in on tonight's show because it's irrelevant after this week. Yes. Until next week. It is. <laughs> so, yeah, real quick. Uh, yeah, the, the ghoul for next week picked Sinister from 2012, directed by Scott Derrickson. And he picked it because there was a recent study that was done just for Halloween. 
of all these horror movies and heart rates, and they decided that Sinister was the scariest movie of all because of all the collected heartbeats and everything that they researched on. So next week's episode is brought to you by Science. And we're going to talk about Sinister and see if it really is uh, that scary. But, yeah, since uh, the ghoul isn't here, uh, Monkey, if you want to give a quick plug for his uh, lovely uh, sponsor. Uh, All right, tonight's episode. Did you want to announce the the pick? I did. Sinister, 2012. Uh, Yes. I can't wait to talk about that article before getting to the viewing. Go ahead, Monkey. Yeah. Tonight's episode was brought to you by Bonfire Bee Design. Yes. <laughs> Home of luxurious jewelry that you can get custom made for your significant other. Remember the holidays are coming up. <clears throat> order early, order often. <laughs> help out the ghoul. Help out the ghoul gal. Help out Talking Terror. But most importantly, help out yourself by giving an unusual gift that can only be acquired in one place, and that's Bonfire Bee Designs. All one word. Either Etsy or the Facebook page. All right. Quick. Done. <laughs> All right. That's great. All right. So, uh, once again, uh, thank you for listening to this Halloween edition of Talking Terror, where we discuss the Monster Club. We'll see you back here next week for the ghoul's pick of Sinister. Thank you so much to my co-hosts, the Demonic Dean and the Mad Monkey, for joining me tonight for our Halloween oh, yes. special. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, this is the Mad Monkey saying, again, thanks for listening to our very special Halloween episode. Everyone out there, be safe this Halloween. Remember, do what you're supposed to do. Social distance. Wear your mask. And not just wear your a Halloween mask. mask. Be be safe. More importantly, mask under your mask. Make sure, man, make sure you wear a condom. Don't let that hot $25 costume that, that chick is wearing over there become 25 years of child support. Cover your shit. Be safe out there. Good night, everybody. It doesn't end after 18? Okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> take the monkey's advice. And, yeah, Halloween isn't canceled, everybody. So just for everybody who's afraid of Halloween canceled, it's not. It's just going to go on as planned. Wear your mask, yep. be safe, social distance, get that candy, watch those horror movies, eat that popcorn. But most importantly, next week, if you haven't already done it, rock that fucking vote, man, because we're living in a real-life horror movie and we need it to stop. So let's just get out there and vote if you haven't already. Do your part. Yes. Do your special deed of the week. You could even get a sticker that says, I voted, so you could even feel special. Just whatever you do, don't take pictures Me- of yourself holding up your ballots. We don't need that. Um, make, it, make your voice heard. Yep, make it heard, make it heard loud, vote like your life depends on it. Like you're in a horror movie, and Jason Voorhees is chasing after you, and the only way you're going to escape is by voting. Think of it that way. Vote hard. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying hail Satan, hail your sales, hail Odorous, and happy Halloween. And we'll see you back here next week. Uh-huh.